Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, my listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. It's Joe Nettles again. I'm welcoming you, inviting you to Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, near Caledonia, Mississippi, in the Bartahatchee community. And also invite you to Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church. She is pastored by my good friend and partner in this ministry, Elder David Wise. They're located at 11 Staten Road, just off Highway 15, just north of Ackerman. So come and join us 10.30 a.m. any Sunday morning that you can. Uh, we invite you to join us at 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening on the grounds of New Covenant Church located at 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville, Mississippi. We have an abbreviated service and some fellowship every Wednesday night, and we would love to have you come and join us. We invite you to go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com. And please, while you're there, please send us an email. The links are there. Addresses are there. Let us know that you're listening. We would certainly love to hear from you. It would be a great, great encouragement to know that we are reaching folks out there. We also would encourage you to go to the Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, hit like, and activate the notifications. And anytime that we live stream a service, you'll be notified. We live stream all of our Sunday morning services and every Wednesday evening service at the Starkville Primitive Baptist Fellowship that we just mentioned. So we invite you to partake in that live streaming if you're unable to come and visit us in person. But we certainly would love to shake your hand and give you a hearty, charitable welcome. Speaking of charity, uh, we are in a series regarding charity from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And after this morning's hymn, we'll be right back with today's installment of this series on charity. Thank you so much for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. And we hope that you will open your Bibles, uh, preferably your King James Translation Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to read today verse 5. Now, if you've been listening to my installments on this radio broadcast of late, I've been trying to preach through a series on charity. 
what true charity is and what it means to the church of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we have such a wonderful, distinct description of true charity. Charity, as we've told you before, is the English word that's been translated from the Greek term agape. And agape essentially means a serving love, a sacrificial love, a love in action toward others. Now, today we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Regarding charity, the Apostle Paul continues and he says, Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Now, we look at this verse and see that it points to the truth about true godlike agape love, that it's more than just an emotion or a frame of mind. True charity extends itself to our behaviors. Again, it reads, doth not behave itself unseemly. Now, this perfectly harmonizes with our definition of charity, being sacrificial, active in love. How does that true love behave itself? Well, obviously from our text today, it is not unseemly. Now, we probably don't use the term unseemly as often as they used to, but it essentially means rude or unbecoming. You know what rude means, and unbecoming means behaving in a way that is not becoming of who a person is or is supposed to be. It may be behavior that is brusque or curt, being very short-tempered, sharp-tongued, acerbic, uh, being quick to snap back or react strongly to a benign situation. This certainly seems to be at least part of the meaning since we are instructed in our verse that charity is not easily provoked. Oh, friends, this is such a challenge, especially in our present day. Because patient contemplation of what we say and do doesn't just tend to be the rule of the day, is it? I believe social media's prevalence in our day and time contributes to many transgressions against charity because it's an instant ready-made soapbox and sword. It's always there, ever-present. It's a vent for our natural frustrations and I. How is it you may ask that social media is such a contributor to our offense against true charity. Well, let's just consider an example. Just for conjecture's sake, I want you to imagine to the days prior to Facebook and Instagram, okay? We didn't have social media. We just had face-to-face -face conversations, telephone conversations, uh, written or email expressions to each other. Now, just imagine yourself back to that day prior to Facebook and Instagram. Now, imagine one of your buddies came to you with a picture of a person and the person in this picture was simply walking down the street holding a bag in his hand. And your buddy tells you, hey bro, I was just at the Calcola gas station. I was grabbing some lunch and I noticed a stack of these pictures on the outside curb. And next to it was a note. Nobody signed it. It was anonymous. It read, this guy stole stuff out of my shed yesterday. Spread these pictures around and let's make him famous. Now, dude, I can't stand a thief, so here are a bunch of his pictures I'm handing around and I have a stack for you to spread around too because I know you can't stand thieves either. Well, let me ask you something. If your dude, if your brother came up to you and did that, would you take part in it? I mean, he just came up, handed you a stack of pictures, no authority, uh, no names, no 
verifiable backstory, just handed you this stack of pictures and said, okay, start spreading it around and tell everybody this person's a thief. Would you take part in this? Now, you may trust your buddy, but consider that your buddy doesn't know the source of the pictures and the anonymous note. You know, your buddy doesn't know the dude in the pictures holding the bag, doesn't even know his name. Now, what if those pics, those pictures were left as a prank or perchance by a vindictive ex-girlfriend? That kind of thing has happened before, hasn't it? What if the person who left the pictures really had stuff stolen, but pointed the finger at the wrong person as the culprit? Just assume this is that troublemaker, this is the culprit. Let me ask you something. How much damage could be done to the reputation of this man in the picture through this uh, campaign? Quite a bit, couldn't it? Now, it's highly unlikely that you listening friend today would have taken part without stopping to consider these possibilities and asking more questions about the veracity of the claims, right? You wouldn't have touched this situation with a 10-foot pole. I mean, your hatred of thievery notwithstanding, you just wouldn't have taken part. However, such claims like this pop up on Facebook, Instagram, different social media venues, and what tends to happen when we see it on one of those venues? Well, you're not face-to-face -face with your buddy, and you don't want to await his reply message to hopefully you send him a question, a message question regarding this situation, hopefully. You know, it would take too much time to try to trace the source yourself. Plus, ooh, it would feel so good, at least just for a moment to feel like you're actively fighting against such dreaded pilfering, then maybe you could be the one share that will catch this miscreant. Well, possibly you don't have the maturity to even consider such things. So you say to yourself, oh yeah, I'm going to share this right now. We're going to take care of this situation. We're going to break this dog from sucking eggs. Friends, listen to me. Is this behavior becoming of a child of God who has charity in his heart? Now, charity is supposed to make us considerate and kind toward others, yet no thought was given to this real person's reputation. That's right, a real person, I said. This, these people that we're dealing with over social media are typically not just pixels on a screen. Oh, yeah, there are some fake profiles out there. But practically all of them are not just pixels on a, on a screen. They're real people. Uh, you may feel insulated, detached from the ramifications of your actions, safe behind your keyboard and your touchscreen, but don't you ever doubt this does not change the fact that your actions will invariably affect other people's and most often it will affect them adversely, truth be told. Friends, charity is long-suffering, but hitting share, boop, it's impetuous. It's easy, requires no thought. See, charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. It's not self-aggrandizing, but by hitting share, boop, everyone will know where I stand on this issue. You see the incongruity there? You see the danger? You see the uh, inherent ability to lift up yourself rather than focusing on Jesus Christ. Now, also in this verse today, we find that charity, quote, seeketh not her own. Earlier in this context, we were told that charity, quote, vaunteth not itself. I dealt with that. It isn't prideful and self-serving. I touched on that in general in an earlier message. But notice how this is reiterated here in the context of unseemly, unbecoming behavior. Whether it's being impetuous and thoughtless, as I taught you earlier, or being crass and unwholesome, that also falls under the category of 
unseemly. Crass or unseemly, unwholesome behavior, such behavior, it seeks self-satisfaction. Take, for example, off-color jokes. Oh boy, I'm telling you. Uh, this preacher is preaching to his own ears. He's convicting his own spirit today before you hear it over the radio waves, I, I guarantee you. Take off-color jokes or risque jokes and humor, for example. You know, it's known that provoking laughter among others, or what they call social laughter, has been shown in neurophysical studies to release uh, chemicals in the brain called endorphins. And they produce feelings of social acceptance, safety, and control over emotions. Now, since the uncharitable nature of fallen man desires to exert control over others, especially their emotions, all the while, uh, the natural being of man demands acceptation socially by them. Jokes seem to be the natural good means of making yourself feel better and more in control, right? These jokes seem all the more effective when coupled with dirty themes and innuendos. After all, all of mankind shares a common perverse inclination towards such things, right? Yeah, unfortunately we do. So why not utilize it to get more laughs, right? Uh, to get a better response, a better reaction. Friends, such activities and jokes are contrary to true charity because they seek our own. You know, such activities glorify the jokester. They don't glorify Jesus Christ. Such is contrary to God's commands. They are self-aggrandizing and they serve as a terrible example toward others. We'll read a few uh, statements from Scripture regarding this. Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 4. Paul writes, But fornication and all uncleanness or, un or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Remember, what is unseemly, it's unbecoming. Here he says, This is activity uh, that should not be named among you as becometh saints. This is activity that is unbecoming to the sanctified believer in Jesus Christ. Verse four, he says, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Simple statement from 1 Thessalonians 5, 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Well, certainly if we're spouting evil things, you're certainly not abstaining, not just from the appearance of evil, but from evil. Give you a little side note, abstain from all appearance of evil. Somebody may say, well, you know, uh, we're living together, me and this girl living together, and we've committed ourselves to each other. We know that. That's all that matters, right? It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about us. But here, by the inspiration of the Spirit, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica and told them, abstain from all appearance of evil. You need to be considerate of your example in this world. And certainly regarding rude, brusque, or off-color behavior. Titus chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Notice verse 8. Sound speech. That means healthy speech. Sound speech that cannot be condemned that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. Now this just really convicts me because I am a lot better than I used to be, but I still I have a great cross to bear. And my cross to bear personally, I, it's not alcoholism, it's not drug addiction. 
Uh, it's not homosexuality. It's not the desire to steal or the desire to lie. But the great cross that Joe himself personally bears is that I like to be the fun guy. I like to be funny. I like to bring forward laughs. And I like to get along in the crowd. I like for people to like Joe. And that's one of my faults. But here he writes to Titus and tells him we need to have sound speech, healthy and wholesome speech uh, that cannot be condemned, that nobody can look at that and say, oh my goodness, do you see what that guy said? No, nobody would have fodder to do that with if we watch what we say. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. Notice this, that he that is of the contrary part, somebody who is opposed to Christ, somebody who is opposed to the church, may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. I mean, if they're trying to convince somebody that the people down there at that church are just part of the problem, but yet somebody challenges them and said, can you give me an example of why they're part of the problem? Would they actually be able to point to anything, anything justifiable? Well, those times when I haven't watched my speech, and this is Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, speaking with you here, those times when I haven't been careful of my speech, I've transgressed this, and it convicts my soul and conscience. Now, now that the preacher has preached it with my mouth, allow me to apologize for not preaching it oftentimes through my behavior. And it's something I labor with constantly, fail at frequently, but I thank God I have such a merciful, forgiving Lord. So if y'all will, if you're under the sound of my voice today on the radio, I beg you to pray for me. Pray for this pastor. I need your prayers. We all have our crosses of sin that bother us and tempt us, those things that specially target us that Satan knows is a great weakness for us. And I've expressed to you with an honest heart, that is one of my weaknesses today. And I certainly would appreciate your prayers for the strength of Christ and a special measure for me on that. Not that I'm worthy, but I appreciate you for your grace. Now, lastly today, regarding this verse, we read that Paul stated that charity, quote, thinketh no evil. Well, our first inclination in reading this, thinketh no evil, would probably be to do what I naturally did, to apply it to our general thought lives, right? Our thought lives, those things we contemplate on, meditate upon, what we fill our heads with, what we sit around thinking about, what we determine to think about, that we ought to clean up our minds, exert diligence over what we read and watch, etc., and all that. Well, that's all certainly a true aspect of the meaning of thinketh no evil, but I rather think in the context of this verse, I believe it's referring to our interpersonal behavior more than our cognitive exercises. Our inter the way we deal with one another, how we behave around other people, in other words. It refers more to holding grudges against others. Hear me again. I believe it refers more to holding of grudges against people who have uh, supposedly done you wrong. I say this because the Greek word from which thinketh was translated is logisiomahi. And logisiomahi means to take an inventory, to make an account of. That's right. It's an accounting term. Paul is saying, in other words, don't keep up an account of evils that have been done against you. Don't keep a tally sheet. Don't write it in a book and meditate upon it. That's rude and unbecoming. It's unseemly. It's uncharitable to the extreme. Why? Because how much more self-serving could one be than to sit around mulling over a mental account book 
of slights that they've received from other people. Oh, that still burns me up to think about what old so-and-so did to me. Or, you want me to pray for so-and-so? Don't you remember what that scoundrel did to me? I ain't about to pray for him. No, I mean, I'll never forgive him. You see, mankind, we, we tend to be very loose with the recording of history. And we seem to also be very loose in the balancing of a checkbook. Oh my goodness, you should have seen the state of my financial affairs when my dear wife and I got engaged. She had to take over my affairs and straighten them out. I was, I was a mess. Thank you, Lord, for sending her to me. See, we're very loose with history recording. We're very loose with the recording of our balance in a checkbook. But I guarantee you one thing, listening friends, we tend as mankind to be extremely exact bookkeepers when it comes to recording the offenses that others have wielded against us. Oh, we, we keep up with that. Oh, we're going to keep that tight in our memories. Uh, we're not going to let go of that. We're not going to relinquish that. We're going to write that in our little mental accounting book, and we will mull over those figures quite frequently. Remember, friends, the old saying pertains, forgive and forget. Now, uh, hold on before you go crazy. Forgive and forget. I've often said it in times past, and I've heard it said, uh, well, I can forgive. Certainly I can forgive, but there's no way I can forget. Forgiving you can certainly do, but you know, you can also forget those old debts and transgressions also. Now somebody's, somebody is in retort right now, driving in their car or sitting at home listening to this on the radio saying, I can, I can hear it right now in my ear of ears. How am I to put something like that out of my brain, brother Joe? Even after I forgive somebody, I can't make myself forget it. I mean, what, what are you talking about? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you can make yourself cognitively forget. I mean, you can't purge it, just will yourself to purge it out of your gray matter. I mean, that's impossible. I mean, the more you try to forget a thing, the more you keep it on your brain, right? Well, obviously. However, friends, in the sense of mulling over a mental book of accounting, as we referenced earlier, which is intended uh, by the use of the term logisio mahi, remember, it's a, an accounting term. Uh, sitting there mulling over that book of accounting, uh, you know, a debt that has been paid can be purged out of that, right? I mean, when keeping up with your present accounts at home or at work, how often do you go back and you have to find yourself uh, obligated to reference those former entries into your accounting book that have been already marked as paid in full? You never do, right? I mean, that doesn't have any more bearing on your accounting today. Those entries... They're not outstanding anymore. They have been satisfied. You know it happened. I mean, you remember, maybe you go back, you can stir up your remembrance by looking at those old entries, but they're not worth studying or fretting over, right? Because they're paid off. By the same token, while you can't put a past hurtful event out of your brain activity, you can mark that thing paid in full and purge it from your accounting book and you can get over it. How? Because if you are living in charity today, my friends, you are focused on Jesus Christ. He rendered all the debts of his elect as satisfied before the Father, never to be remembered again. That's right. He's not sitting around mulling over his account book of sins and transgressions. Thankfully, the Lord's not sitting around in heaven nursing a grudge against his elect, whom he loves, in spite of our inability to right any of our wrongs, past, present, or future. Notice in Psalm 130, verse 3, 
If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, that means take a note of them. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Who shall stand indeed? Psalm 103, notice how the Lord has put away our transgressions. Now, God is omniscient. He'll never forget anything cognitively, but notice what he's chosen to put out of his ledger. Psalm 103, verse 10, he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Notice this, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. I'm so thankful that he's put our transgressions out of his remembrance and he remembers though that we are dust, amen? He remembers how weak we are. He remembers how in need of his complete total grace that we are. Micah chapter seven, verses 18 through 19. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. I've heard it often preached, cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Amen, I love it. Child of God, release your grudges. It's poison to you. We can do it because we know that all the rights of all the wrongs can be entrusted to the righteous judge, Jesus Christ. Let us live in charity. Let us live like him. Be released. Release those debts. Don't swallow that poison anymore. Don't sit there mulling over it, allowing it to poison your mind and rob you of your happiness. Let's do like it says in Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Because here he's going to tell us what our example is, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Oh, friends, be charitable today. Don't go around holding grudges. Let's not be potty mouthed. Let's not be unseemly. Let's not seek our own satisfaction, our own little ease, our own little endorphin release to make us feel better and a little more secure at the expense of our testimony and our witness for Jesus Christ. Until we're able to meet with you again, may the Lord bless you and all of these truths that we've presented today. God bless. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. 
This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.